When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to care and the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Ike Parra, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. Afternoon, I guess it's afternoon, but I don't know if it's good. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson. I'm joined by Callum Williams. Cal, it's a beautiful day in Minnesota. It's a gray winter day, but honestly, it hasn't been all that cold this year. It hasn't been too snowy so far. It's pretty mild out there. The, The MLS season is over. Minnesota United. It was a season that both kind of felt like it wasn't even happening and also felt like it never would end um, at the same time. And so I just wanted to start uh, with some appreciation, uh, which I think everybody expressed, you know, uh, from players to the social media account, everything like that, just first for the fans, you know, out there who hopefully make up a good percentage of the people listening to us. I don't know who else listens to us. Other than the, the fans who supported this team in whatever way they can during this weird era that we're all in right now. Um, you know, I hope for fans that having soccer and Minnesota United in your life during these last months has, has improved it uh, to the extent that it can, given how strange everything is uh, right now. And, you know, we're going to get right to work or maybe a little break and then right to work on the next season. And I wanted to give an appreciation for this team uh, that was out there on the field um, and has been week in and week out twice a week, uh, you know, traveling the day of the games and all that. Um, As someone who's been with the team since the first game in MLS, it's just crazy to see the loons minutes away from a trip to MLS cup final this year. You know, like the, the, it was heartbreaking to see them lose uh, the way they, they did. But I honestly, like my heart didn't really break for me. It broke for these players because I think they really gave it all they could out there. And I think that, you know, lots of people are going through hardship right now. What the players are dealing with is not, you know, <laughs> losing their jobs. There's a lot of things going on in the world that are very difficult, but you know, let's not sugarcoat it. Like this is, it's a tough thing to go out there and, and do what they're doing um, week in and week out and, and, and leave it all out there. And then, you know, have to face, you know, back to regular life now after being so close to the MLS cup final. So um, Cal, your first raw thoughts at this point now, uh, less than 24 hours later. Well, well it is still very raw. Yeah. Steve, yeah. Uh, however long it feels like it was well, three hours ago. Yeah. Who knows? 13 hours. Who knows? Um, feels like, you know, like it was a second ago. It also feels like it was an eternity ago. I don't think anybody's really slept that well. I was up for oh, yeah. eight o'clock or whatever, which is, is early for, for me, um, the day after a game. And um, just couldn't really get settled, to be honest, you know. Um, it, it does feel like a massive missed opportunity. Um, 
but we, we can't dwell on that too much, Steve, because at the end of the day, it's, it's not like Minnesota have lost to Cincinnati or something. And I say that with all due respect, you know, they've lost to the very best team in Major League Soccer and they, they came ever so close as well. And um, it's still raw. Um, the emotions will be there for a long time. This will sting and hurt for a long time. Um, but as you said and, and insinuated, there are plans already for 2021 that have been in place for a couple of weeks now. I know for a fact the backroom staff is already working on a couple of new additions. Um, they had the, the 2021 um, budget and sort of roster restrictions and whatnot given to them a few weeks ago, to my knowledge. Um, so they've been working on that for some time. Um, so there's already been sort of half an eye on 2021 for a while. And that's encouraging because what I will say, Steve, is, is whilst it was extremely disappointing to lose in the way they did, you get the feeling this team is only a player or two away from being really, really serious MLS Cup contenders. Absolutely. I mean, I think that was uh, the disappointment is, is interesting. I think it was the thing um, Ethan, Ethan Finlay said after the game that it's good that fans are disappointed. You know, this is, you know, hold us a task. This team doesn't have the goal of being happy with losing the Western Conference final. The team has the goal of winning MLS Cup. Like, that's what he plays the game for. That's what so many of those guys play the game for. You know, be disappointed. But I've, you know, I, I just think that it, the thing I immediately went to in the wake of the game was, and we talked about it, I believe, before the playoffs even started, um, you know, going back to the preseason expectations. And I looked back at my notes on what I had expected before the season began um, when we did a podcast talking about the season. And I was like, my baseline expectation, now there's a range of possibilities, right? My baseline expectation is making the playoffs and winning a game in round one, you know? And that was looking at a team that had, um, you know, had signed Luis Amaria, that had Tyler Miller, that had, you know, that had Ozzy Alonso had played almost all the games last season. Um, Parra was, what was that? Yes. Parra, yep, sorry. <laughs> Ico Parra, defender of the year. Um, and so that was my expectation. After the first two games of the season where they won two games away, if at that moment you had, and I said this on Twitter, like if at that moment you had told me, hey, you know, they're going to they're gonna handle their business in round one. Uh, they're going to upset the number one seed in the Western Conference, which is Sporting Kansas City, with a clean sheet, you know, um, on the road, and then go to Seattle and, you know, have a 2-0 lead and then they're going to, you know, they're going to lose at, at, at the death. I'd be like, eh, that's unfortunate, but man, like I'll take that like any day. I expected like a step from last season and it was a leap without all those guys who had been so key in those opening couple games. And I just think, I'm not saying that it's not disappointing. I'm not saying they should be excused for it. I agree with Finley. I think it's like we have, you know, as you set the bar and raise the bar, you got to keep raising it. But like, that's extraordinary. Like the team had an amazing season and this is even discounting the fact that there was a pandemic we didn't know about before the season. Uh, maybe we should have known about it. Uh, but anyways, it, you know, that disrupted everything. So, you know, I, I, just th- I just think that we should take a moment to, to appreciate that perspective. I think it's progression in capital letters, in my opinion, Steve. Each year, the team have gotten better. And I know Adrian Heath has said this a few times now, but it, it's difficult to, to disagree with him because it looks as if it is the case. Um, from just about every angle when you look at Minnesota United. So, you know, the question is now is, is if we continue on this trajectory, what, what is the expectation next year? One would assume that, yeah, 
if they continue to operate on this trajectory with the roster that they have um, and a couple of added pieces that they will need and do need, in my opinion, um, this team, as I said earlier on, has to be in the conversation once again, at the very least for the playoffs. But again, um, and it's difficult to, to make this prediction right now because we don't know what else the other teams in the Western Conference will do, and they will strengthen. Yeah. Um, and we don't know what they look like yet. But coming off the back of what we've just seen, one would assume that once again, Minnesota United would have aspirations to again be involved at the very least in the Western Conference final. Um, not to put any pressure on anybody, any words in anybody's mouths, but there is a standard now with this team. It's not been the case throughout the entirety of its MLS existence we've been able to say that. There is now an expectation with this team. A lot of that came after the 2019 season, no doubt. But Minnesota met those expectations from 2019 and 2020 and arguably went even further. So progression is the word that I continue to come back to, Steve, because that's exactly what they've done. I described it on, on our radio broadcast yesterday um, in the post-game show. You know, it's very easy to come in and be someone like an Atlanta United or an LAFC and throw cash at people um, and, and, and do it that way. I'm not sure if that's, from a longevity point of view, I'm not sure that's the way to do it. What Minnesota are doing is that they're doing it slow and steady, you know, not, not to, to throw shade or, or disrespect to, to someone like Atlanta United, but it's almost like a, like a fast food franchise in the sense that they just throw it and, and, and just get the business done um, as quickly as possible. And we've done it. Okay, great. That's all we need to do. We've, and it's done the business as quickly as possible. Minnesota or something like, you know, a, a, <laughs> a well-distinguished meal that's been in the oven for you know, half an hour or something, and you're just waiting for it to, you know, to be ready. And um, I think they're cooking at the right temperature right now, Minnesota United are. And um, it's slow, it's steady progression. And ultimately, long term, if you want to build the reputation of this club, I think they're going about it the right way, in my opinion. Yeah, the um, I, do, I do want to get back to Seattle a little bit specifically, but I think your point is well taken. And I, I, I agree. I think that, I don't know if one is better than the other. I mean, obviously Atlanta hit hard immediately. They've struggled this season, obviously. No, I would never bet against a team that's willing to spend that kind of money turning it around quickly, um, which is not what Minnesota is built for either. Um, there was sort of some debate. This is as they were as as the Loons were beating a Sporting Kansas City. Um, on the broadcast, there was a lot of talk about how this was all part of the plan. Like this was the plan, you know, this three-year plan, this is how this is going to work. And then on social media, I saw some people being like, listen, they were terrible. Like, I don't know if this was part of the plan. I think that misapprehends, both sides misapprehend the plan a little bit in that sense, um, because I think that it's not as if in 2017, Adrian Heath was sitting there going, I'm going to have Reynoso in 2020. Like, I, like, it's not as if all those it's not chess, right? All those moves didn't result in the game that they have right now. Um, but I think that it's important to note that while there were misses early on, there was, you know, notable things that went wrong. They never missed big, you know, that, I, I, and I think that was kind of, to me, what I've seen in terms of the plan over the last four years, which is you're going to take some swings. You're going to take your cuts. You're going to try things, but you're going to try to be in a position where if something doesn't pan out, you have other options to, to move towards. And I think that's what we saw. I think you saw with regards to the way the initial roster was built with, you know, um, Vadim Demidov, 
Nobody ever wants to hear that name again. Vadim Demidov, who gets a bad rap, by the way. But anyways, Demidov, other Scandinavians, this was sort of like, this is going to be the path. Didn't really work. So like, pivot, you know, move around. Fernando Bob, Maximiano, these guys who are like, you know, we're bringing them in. We'll see how it works out. When it didn't work out, like, we got rid of them. Like, traded, you know, moved people around and everything like that. And got Darwin Quintero as the first DP at a moment when the team desperately needed somebody who could galvanize fans and be a scorer. And he was that. And then when that stopped working, moved on from it, you know, until really getting, you know, like building in these veterans last season with Ike and Ozzy and those guys, and then going out and getting those like your Reynosos, um, Robin Lud, these players who maybe, you know, like have a little more runway in front of them. It, like, I'm not saying that they got everything right. I'm not saying that they, I, I'm saying that I think there, there, there is a plan, which is to take moves that you can, you can move off from if they, if they go wrong. And I think that's, that's smart. And I think that's an, an important part of building a team in a market like this. That's a, a team that's a size like this. You have to, because you're not going to go and spend 10, 11, $12 million on a player that that's already been proven unless things change this year. But um, the, the, the one in terms of what I think they might have, um, the only one I can think of, Steve, in terms of where they might have got it wrong from a position, positional standpoint is obviously when Ramirez was sold off and it was a deal that needed to happen at that stage because Ramirez wanted to go. Um, it was a, a large amount of money that was given to the club um, in a year where, where Ramirez's wages were going to, to be uh, astronomical. Um, they, they replaced him from a positional standpoint with Angelo Rodriguez, which didn't really work. Right. But in terms of what they actually replaced him with and the money they got for him, had they not have done that, they wouldn't have been able to get in Ozzy Alonso and Ico Parra and, and even Vito Minone as well. So look, ultimately, I, I think you're right. And, and in the sense of them getting a lot of things right over the course of the last two years, particularly as well, um, it's encouraging signs for Minnesota United. And um, I'm intrigued to see what they do in this off season, Steve. I really am. I'm sure we'll get to that a bit later on, but it's, um, Looking at the season that Minnesota have had, I can't help but think of, of anything but, but being optimistic in terms of 2021, especially when you have a full season of Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to Reynoso. Let's, let's hold Reynoso. We're going to talk a little bit about next year, possibly. I want to get to him at that point. I, want to, I don't want to move off of Seattle quite yet, as much as most of us would want to move off of Seattle. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to address is I feel like right at the end of the game, obviously, People got on social media and were just like, this is so Minnesota sports. This is Minnesota sports. This is what we do. We collapse and we fall apart, blah, 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 whatever like that. First of all, shut up. Like, <gasps> like the Minnesota sports thing is like, I'm so sick of it. Like, it's like, you're just looking for a reason to feel good about yourself or feeling bad about sports. Get over it. Minnesota United, you know, like there's plenty of teams, the Minnesota Lynx prime among them who have, who have been successful. Minnesota United has, has gotten better every season so far. You know, like whatever. I don't feel like it's part of the Minnesota United is part of this narrative quite yet. Um, and I wanted to point out specifically that collapse comes up a lot. Watching that game, having watched, you know, three, three nil games in a row before it, that two nil lead did not look like the two nil leads that Minnesota United had before scoring a third goal in those previous games. Like Seattle looks supremely confident all the time. First of all, talking about what Minnesota United needs to aspire to as far as developing to have that kind of unflappability. Seattle just sounders were like, yeah, we're done too. It's okay. We're going to be fine. Like at no point did you ever get any sense that they were concerned about that. That's fantastic. Minnesota's two goals came off of dead ball set pieces. They did not come in the run of play. They were 
often getting pinned back against their own goal. They had opportunities and they took those opportunities to their credit. But like, that was not, it, that was a note to me. It didn't feel like a collapse because in some ways it felt like, well, if, if this gets away being two nil or two one, like Minnesota United will have gotten away with something, I think. Yeah. So look, here are my thoughts on that, the game itself. Um, it wasn't Minnesota United's best performance by any stretch of the imagination. And I haven't really seen a lot of what the coaching staff have said after, but I would assume they would say something quite similar. Um, the biggest issue that I thought, Steve, that, that caused them a problem was the direct passes from the Sounders' back line. Because what it did is it released Jones and Morris, um, who were both full of pace, full of energy, and, and it caused Minnesota United a few problems. At the moment, it's difficult to do much about that because the best way to, to do something about that is to, is to defend from the front. And usually the most effective way of doing that is by having a pressing centre-forward, which Minnesota don't have at the moment. Robin Lerd offers a lot, but that's certainly one thing he doesn't really do in abundance. Um, it's also why I wasn't surprised when Kai Kamara came on as well. I know Kai Kamara isn't an abundance of speed, but he's probably the, the best option we've got in terms of that when he did come on. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I thought, Steve, I thought Minnesota actually contained Ladero quite well. I, I thought Alonso and Gregus actually did quite well in the centre of midfield. Um, they were both asked to sit a little deeper, which I wasn't too surprised at, um, which meant Ladero had to pick up the ball deeper. If you, if you go back and watch the game, Steve, every time, or for the most part, when Ladero picks up the ball, it's usually in a deeper position. And Adrian Heath would have been okay with that. Obviously, the closer Ladero is to goal, the more worried you become. Um, so the thing for me, as I said, was, was the long direct balls over the top from the Sounders. I don't think um, Minnesota found a strong enough way to deal with it. Um, but ultimately, like you said, Steve, um, that they are champions for, for a reason. There's a reason why the Sounders are where they are. Also, the other thing that I thought changed the game as well um, and it was no coincidence that Brian Schmitz had bought off the two fullbacks for the Sounders as well. Um, you know, Brad Smith and Kelvin Leodam are um, arguably the first choice right back and left back. And I thought when they came on, they gave the Sounders a real lift because what happened was when you've got Jones and Morris, it, it's similar to what Minnesota have in terms of Molino and Lourdes when, when they play on, on the flanks they play on the opposite side to their strongest foot. So naturally they are going to tuck in and play sort of inverted wide players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that meant a lot of the times the Sounders didn't have a lot of width. Um, no doubt there were attempts, Roldan, Alex Roldan got forward from time to time and Yuhu Tolo did the same as well, but it wasn't enough for Seattle. As soon as Smith and Leodan came on, I thought they made an impact instantly because the Sounders had threats, genuine threat from out wide. If you look back at the Will Bruin goal, the first goal for Seattle, the ball from the right comes in from Leodam. And yes, you know, it finds uh, Ruby Diaz who has his shot deflected. But ultimately, um, if that cross doesn't come in, I don't think Seattle score in that situation. So um, credit where credit's due. Brian Schmetzer did a, a fabulous job. The only other thing I would have perhaps changed, Steve, um, because I thought it was obvious. I thought there was a handful of Minnesota United players who were running on fumes at the end of the game. I thought they looked absolutely exhausted. And that'll be for an abundance of reasons. But obviously, they've had nowhere near the rest and the time to prep for this game that the Sounders have. Um, it, it would have been difficult to take out the likes of Alonso um, and uh, you know, Molino and Lourdes. 
I know Lord eventually came off in the, in the dying embers, but, um, you know, I think if I was in charge, um, at some stage, I probably would have introduced, you know, the likes of Ja'Cory Hayes and, and, and maybe gone with, with, uh, with three centre-backs and gone with five at the back and tried to, you know, defend for, for dear life, if you will. But it, trying to, to find the time to do that is difficult as well because no doubt the Sounders got some momentum when they scored that first goal. Um, and that was, what, the 74th minute or so. I think that's too early to go to a back five, you know? So it was a head-scratching moment um, for Adrian Heath and Cole. Um, but ultimately, look, um, Minnesota gave an exceptional account of themselves. The goal from Reynoso is absolutely out of this world. It's one of the better free kicks you'll see all season. And Dibassi, uh, once again, has proven that he can score from set pieces and is a threat. So... Um, you know, ultimately, it's disappointing with the way that it's ended. But we have to remember that at one stage, Minnesota, away to the MLS champions, were leading by two goals to nil. Yeah, I mean, absolute props to Seattle for those. And Brian Schmetzer, you know, once again, it was it's fun to read. I was reading about his comments afterwards, and he's kind of like, man, I don't even know how that happened. And I'm like, I think you, I think you know how it happened. Like he's very humble, which is nice, um, and 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 quite appealing. Um, but terrific tactical, you know, decision making as far as substitutions. I mean, when you bring on, you know, Bruin, Leardam, Smith, and Svensson, who ends up scoring, you know, the the winning goal. You you made the correct choices in that case. I think that obviously the substitution thing is 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 what everybody is pulling their hair out over. And it's a thing we've talked about before, you know, it's, and, and Adrian has talked about it, that his, it's his approach, which is to say, I pick the team that I think can go the distance. You know, that's, I don't pick for who I'm going to substitute. I pick for who, who I think can do the whole thing. Um, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, I think one thing that is not being talked about is that the Sounders, you know, went with consistency because they had success in their last game. And so they, you know, they had, they had um, the Roldan um, brother, um, not Christian. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. I was like, Adrian? No, I'm getting confused. So Alex Roldan, you know, playing right back, which is not his normal uh, position, but it had worked, so you go with it. Schmetzer brought in, you know, his better players. Like, he brought he brought players who were better than the players he took off. Adrian Heath didn't really have that option in the same kind of way. You know, he started the strongest 11 that you that he could start, basically. Um, and they were totally running on fumes by the end. I think one of the other problems, I mean, obviously bringing in some fresh legs could help. I also felt, though, that, like, given the amount of guys who were on fumes and the role of the guys who were the, probably the tiredest, Alonzo, et cetera, like that, you can't just, like, take them out, you know, at that at that moment and throw in some new guys who are, like, I mean, respect to Ja'Cory Hayes had an amazing season. I think Marlon Harrison has had good um, appearances. Jose Aja has been good. Brent Coleman coming back has been good. None of those guys are, like, up to the level of the guys who are out there, like, right now. Like, they can work with them and everything like that. But, you know, and maybe it's one of those things you can second guess all day. Like, if he had brought in five at the back, parked the bus on the road also, which is like parking the bus on the road is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and then still giving up those goals, everybody would be calling for his head again. You know, it's like, it's easy to say after the fact, like you should have done this. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like, and this gets into something that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to transition to this. This is a thing I wanted to say about, about Adrian Heath, which is that um, he's not above criticism. I think even he himself welcomes, you know, welcomes criticism. He welcomes, um, you know, people, he understands that this is part of the game. When you're a head coach, he talks about this all the time. You're paid to make these decisions. They're tough decisions. You have to live with the consequences. But he can't only be responsible for the bad things that happen to Minnesota United. Like, I see a lot of this, like, 
well, how do you, how do you fail to do this? It's like, I mean, he game planned to beat Sporting Kansas City on the road. Like, the only reason you're there is because that worked. He gets, he, like, he doesn't get credit for that. Like, it seems a lot of times there's sort of a particular strain of criticism, which is just that the good things that happen are all down to the players and what they did and, you know, fortune and their good hearts. And then when everything bad happens, it's Adrian Heath's fault. And, like, that drives me kind of crazy. Like, I've got issues with things he chooses to do. I'm sure you do as well. But it's like, that's okay but he he should get credit for the good things that happen as well because he's responsible for those especially given the amount of power he has with personnel right now yeah so i didn't realize this was a thing steve i've not really been on social media to Just stay off it it's so, don't, don't, it's so, it's so bad. i'm trying to avoid it mostly but I, well I, I i didn't really the only thing i put out that i was like you know I, I i didn't really know what to say to be honest i didn't feel as though i'd be able to get my thoughts across in 140 characters or whatever twitter allows you to these days you know and um, I, so I, I didn't, as I said, I've not been on Twitter. I haven't seen a lot of this stuff. So, um, if if um, if people are genuinely once again saying that that Adrian Heath um, it need, need, needs to go or, or, or things of, of that effect, I, I can't agree with that at all. Um, it, it's just not even a thought right now. Anybody who has a half a footballing brain would understand that. It, it's, it can't be a thought. You may dislike him as a coach. You may dislike some of some of the traits he has and some of the approaches that he has and the way he goes about um, his, his sides playing. But to get rid of someone who has just, just bought a team who was not expected to be anywhere near this, by the way, to the Western Conference final, I... It's beyond absurd to me, Steve. So I didn't realise that was the case. Look, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, but I, I, for the life of me, can't understand that one at all. Yeah, and I think that, it, you know, the, the thing about elimination formats like this is there's only two ways to go out. You either lose at some point or you win everything. You know, there's that like there's there's not, you know, and it's like there's to me, it's like if you're looking again at Minnesota United and the expectations, like they more than justified their seed. They 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 handled their business when they were the top seed and they defeated the number one seed in the Western Conference. They like already exceeded expectations, right? If they had hung on for the win, right, and then had gone to play Columbus and lost to Columbus, I feel like people would be like, I can't believe they lost to Columbus. Like you know, sort of like not appreciating the things you already got. Like, I, I, it's hard to think about it because, I, I mean, I, I, I have the same issue sometimes. But I feel like over time, you're going to look back at that Sporting Kansas City win and really be like, wow, you know, this team, that's really where they showed where they were at, talking about like how good that run of play was, where they put together those goals on the road, again, in, in a place they had never won, you know. And so that's like, I think that stuff is going to endure um, as we move into next season i'm ready to talk about next season a little bit first i'm going to let you know when injury takes you out of the game it's time for your team to step up at alina health orthopedics you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations virtual options and an app that gives you 24 7 access to your records test results and care team you're always close to the care you need schedule now at alinahealth.org ortho all right, let's move into, let's talk a little bit, a little slow, we'll go to our crystal balls. You know, it's a little early for crystal balling. I, you know, we, we, we talked about um, scheduling this podcast. I was like, let's just do it. Cause you know, we hadn't really been able to fit one in, in between the, you know, the, the, the SKC game and the Seattle game. 
And I was like, I'm scheduling for the day after. Who knows what's going to happen? And I'm like, obviously, we're like, maybe not quite ready to think too much about. Um, I don't, we don't even know when the next season is exactly going to start. I believe Don Garber, commissioner, friend of the pod. We've had him on as guest before. Don Garber said they were looking at like early to mid-March as a start for the season, which seems very fast to me. But, you know, um, like. I don't know. So we don't even really know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to open with this talking about next season. I am confident that Reynoso could easily be one of the top five players in MLS next season. Yeah, without question, Steve. The fact that he got seven assists in three playoff games, no player's ever done that in Major League Soccer. Throughout their 25 year history of MLS, no player's ever done that. Yeah. So I'm excited for a full season with Reynoso for sure. Um, He's a talent. The free kick is wonderful from the boy, isn't it? You know, it's just absolutely hit with such perfection. Um, it comes across the ball and it goes, zips away from, from Stefan Fry. It's, it, it's an absolutely superb, supreme free kick. And um, it's just good to know that Minnesota have got him. Um, and it's funny, I bumped into to uh, to somebody, to a, a fan of friends, um, Sam from the Dark Clouds in uh, in my local grocery store yesterday. Oh, nice. And we spoke about Reynoso, you know, because obviously he's the main man right now. Um, and look, it's okay to, to understand that this is probably what's going to happen. If Minnesota get two years out of this kid, great. Not a problem at all. But he's just turned 25. He's on the cusp of the Argentine national team. He's going to get noticed at some stage. He already has been noticed. There was a top team in Brazil that tried to sign him, but he wanted to come to Minnesota. Um, I think if he carries on, on the trajectory that he is on, before too long, Steve, there's going to be plenty of admiration. There's going to be plenty of individuals that would want to come and sign him. And Minnesota will make a humongous profit on him. Um, I don't even know what, what you would say he's worth right now, because we've not even had a full season of him. Imagine how much he's going to be worth after a full season. So, And it's okay to, to be this as well. Most leagues in the world are selling leagues. It's okay to, to identify as this. Even the Premier League at some stages have to sell their players on, their stars on. So um, that's what I would expect to happen. So let's enjoy Renoso whilst we've got him because he's one a heck of a talent. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know, Vela, obviously up there, Pazuelo, MVP winner is up there. Nico Ladero, I mean, still doing it at, that, at, at his level up there, you know. You could start making arguments for Heel, possibly Carlos Heel, like a, a, like depending. Again, we haven't seen you know he he was out for most of this season, but he's right up in that top five, top ten at worst. You know, as as far as an individual player who can make a difference for his team like that, and that's just it, it's tremendously fun. And as you said, he's not. We haven't even seen him fully unleashed. We talked about this early on. We're like he's maybe like eighty percent. You know, like it, you know if what we're seeing now is not even a hundred percent, which I think it's safe to say he's getting up into the nineties, but like, again, the scoring is one of those, the assists are obviously huge. If he starts scoring free kicks like that, I mean, and his corner kick delivery has been unbelievable. He's just going to be one of those guys who does everything in the attack for the team. And it's just going to be, it's just going to be tremendous. I'm, I'm super looking forward to it as well. Really looking forward to it, Steve. Um, you mentioned the set piece deliveries, the corner kicks. He, he, he whips them in with such zip and pace. They're so inviting, the area that he puts them into. Um, he puts them into really good areas where, you know, players want to go and attack the ball. Um, Dibassi has done that two games now. Um, 
And I, I'm sure we'll see this again, you know, over the course of the 2021 season. But what was astounding, as I said earlier on, Steve, was the actual goal that he scored. It was just absolutely wonderful technique. Um, Stefan Fry, in, in my opinion, still still one of the best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer as well. So to do that against him on his own patch as well. Um, you know, Reynoso, I thought, was, you know, he's been a, a magnificent signing for Minnesota United. I don't think he was near his best against Seattle last night, though. I, I thought he looked tired. Um, but again, what, what you would say to players like that now is that just, it's been a great year. You've been magnificent. Go and put your feet up. Go and rest, you know, uh, because we need you next year. You know, go and find a beach somewhere in Argentina or you know, don't, maybe find a beach in Minnesota that's covered in snow. I don't know. But um, go and find a beach somewhere, have a cocktail and just relax because we are really going to need you in 2021. I think he's going to be a star player, Steve. I'm just going to pretend you were talking to me when you said go find a beach and get a cocktail. I'm just going to... You are more than welcome, mate. Yeah. <laughs> You've moved your backside off this year. <laughs> uh, let's, talk, let's talk about it. And then now we're entering the, the realm of pure speculation. I'm only going here because somebody actually directly asked about it. Um, thinking about players next year, you know, who have to have... We have to... A decision has to be made by Minnesota United. Um, just sort of your, your feeling about what you think... If you think these players will be back. Again, I'm guaranteeing nothing. We don't know anything about any of this. We've been told nothing. Um, Ozzy Alonso, do you feel like Mr. Alonso is going to be back for another season with Minnesota United? Um, I think it's, it's a difficult one to, to say, Steve, because my heart says yes and my head says no. Right. Um, he'll be 36 next year. Um, the one thing that Minnesota, and I'm not suggesting Alonso will be, but the one thing Minnesota can't afford next year is passengers. They need everybody on the same wavelength because if they are going to, to better what they've done this year, they are going to need an abundance of quality. And I, again, I'm not suggesting Alonso would ever be a passenger, um, but perhaps the club might have outgrown a 36-year-old holding midfielder now. I, I don't know, Steve. Maybe that's me being extremely harsh, but... Um, I would say, here's what I'll say. If Minnesota have a replacement in mind, whether that's Asani Dotson or whether that is going and getting a number six, I would suggest Alonso probably won't be with the club next year. If they don't, I would look at re-signing him on a number that works for the club. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that it's one of those things where it depends so much on a lot of moving moving pieces. I'm, I'm sure if they could find their number six of the future, um, which I have questions about whether Hassani, I feel like Hassani is just much more downhill than a, right, a real no, number I six. Like, we talked about it before. He's more of a box to box. So, um, so if you if you if you've got your destroyer of the future and you're like, you know, this is this is who it is, and he's at the right spot then you take him and, and I think maybe it's, it's, it's time to move on from Ozzy. But if, you know, if you have to draft somebody and you're not sure, you keep Ozzy on to sort of, you know, smooth that transition. Like you said, hopefully for a number that works for the club. Um, yeah, that's about where I am as well. Luis Amaria, interesting case. Um, it seems like from what I've seen, and this is all public from, from Adrian Heath, the feeling is like they felt like they saw enough of him and, uh, you know, and again, so much of what they saw about him is not what we got to see because, you know, he's been working out. He's, you know, he, he, was, he was with the team. He was trying to make it right. He was trying to get back and it couldn't happen. So he ended up getting the surgery. It seems like they sort of feel like there's enough there that they want to try to work something out with Velez Sarsfield and figure out either another loan or something. But, but what's your feeling on Amaria? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the key right there, isn't it, Steve, is working something out with Vélez Sarfield because um, I, I would be surprised if they would want to do another loan. Mm-hmm. I think at that stage, they've, they've probably moved on from the player. If, because now, if you think about it, Steve, he's had two loan spells in two years. Sure. He's, what, 25 now? Yep. It's either going to be you're a part of the roster moving forward or you're not. So I'd be surprised if Velez wanted to do another loan deal. So that, that begs the question, do the team want to, to spend the money to bring him in, which I can't imagine would be millions and millions of dollars. It might be one or two million dollar transfer fee, but um, <clears throat> that's the risk you take. Have we seen enough of him to, to warrant spending that type of money? I don't know. If it, if it can be a loan deal, great. Bring him back, no problem at all, no questions asked. My... Immediate concern would be, are the club going to, to spend a decent amount of money uh, on a player that we've not seen enough in Major League Soccer, in my opinion? Maybe they, as coaches, have, have seen enough on the training fields. Who knows? But um, if the situation can work out, Steve, absolutely you bring back Luis Amaria. Yeah, I think that, again, if, 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 if the number can work, you know, it sort of depends on if they decide they, they have another center forward that they, they have their eye on. Um, surely making a run into the Western Conference Finals is going to open some doors to some clubs who might not have been, you know, dealing with Minnesota United before. That, that, that kind of thing can help with that. And again, moving pieces, right? Like if, if Amaria, if you can bring Amaria back for a reasonable amount and know he's maybe one of two good options. That's a lot different than saying, okay, well, we're going to put a lot of money into this guy who's going to be our number one option. We don't know if he's, if he can do it, but I have to say like, based on the first couple of games, uh, you know, this past season, the idea of Reynoso and, and, and sort of unlocks, you know, Molina, we'll get to Molina, but you know, some, that sort of midfield with, with a, a player like Luis Amari is, is uh, I believe mouthwatering is a uh, word I would, I would borrow from you. Yep, I wouldn't disagree there, Steve. Um, I know Renoso had said, hadn't he, in, in um, press interviews when he first arrived, that, that he had watched a lot of Amaria's tape um, to uh, to see what he could do to to combine with him. So, uh, yeah, as I said, if it's possible, absolutely you bring back Amaria. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ethan Finlay, uh, sort of, you know, this is brought up in, in with regards to the playoffs, sort of a little bit of the forgotten man of that attacking front four um, with regards to seeing Lud sort of break out as a false nine and obviously the headline grabbing of Molino and Reno. So, but does a lot of really good stuff and has at times been that sort of guy when, when they try to shut down that other side, sometimes he's, he's opened that up tireless, great runner, great leader, veteran um what, what's what do you think what do you think about Ethan Finlay bring him back no question absolutely no question about it Steve he's on a good number to my knowledge it's not a massive amount um he is um he, he still has that tint of blue in his collar which which I think a lot of teams uh, still need in major league soccer um I bring him back in a heartbeat absolutely no yeah. question I don't care that he's he'll be 31 this this coming season I don't care I still think he's got tremendous value which leads me to my second point. He's got tremendous value. Do the club see that and try to get something for him? I don't know. Because the question is now, Steve, um, when he gets to 32, he's not as valuable and purely because of his age. So do the club now try and, and get what they can for him? Maybe not necessarily wanting to, but understanding this is perhaps the best time to, to let him go. Me personally, I would bring him back in a heartbeat. I, I think he's, he's such an important piece to this puzzle. Um, but I could see a lot of teams being very interested if Ethan Finlay ever becomes available. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the club willing to say, 
if you make us, you know, the Godfather offer, like we'll go for it. I mean, that was essentially what happened with Mason Toy. Mason wanted to to move on and find a place he could he could start. And then as they looked around, Montreal was just offering something that they were like, this is the best deal. I mean, we're going to get a lot for him. Um, Christian Ramirez also, you know, sold, sold to LAFC um, for a lot more than you would probably, he would probably garner right now, you know? So it's one of those things where if Finley is, in, is tremendously valuable for the team. Is he invaluable? Maybe not, uh, depending on what the kind of number is that comes back for him. So, uh, but great guy. One of my favorites, fun to talk to, very loquacious um and 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 a good quote uh, as as anybody can see from the availability last night um last question for this kevin molino obviously maybe the most fraught decision we know that he is a favorite of adrian heath's they sort of go together like peanut butter and chocolate or peanut butter and jelly i don't know what you think goes better with the other but um you know they've gone through this whole thing together molino looks maybe as good as he's ever looked next to reynoso um what do you think about kevin molino's future here well, just before I do Molino, Steve, I, just back to Ethan Finlay quickly. Yeah. What I what I will say is that he is he is very very valuable, as I sort of already said a little earlier on. I, he's valuable to Minnesota, but but could he be more valuable to somebody else? Is, is essentially what I was trying to say there. Sure. Um, yeah. Molino, um, yeah, you bring him back, absolutely. You you get a deal figured out. It, it, <laughs> this is the one that they've really got to figure out, in my opinion, um, because we we really got a glimpse of. Kevin Molino, fully fit, fully motivated Kevin Molino, alongside a stupendous number 10. I wonder what Molino looks like with an, and I say this with all due respect to Robin Lord and the, the centre forwards that have played for Minnesota, what does he look like with a centre forward that can play with the three behind him, but also guarantee you 15 goals a season? Yeah. That, that's a really mouth-watering prospect that is um and i would absolutely try and figure it out as quickly as possible that deal because people will be aware steve the vultures will start circling as soon as it becomes knowledge enough around the footballing circle that um molino's contract talks aren't going as well as they should have should have gone if, if that becomes a reality people will absolutely pounce um Again, he could be extremely valuable to just about every team in Major League Soccer. I think I think Molino finds a place in just about every team in Major League Soccer. Um, yeah. Minnesota know that as well. They know what they have in him. Get the deal done. Get it signed. Get him in the club once again for another couple of years. Yeah, I think the thing about Molino's position right now in the club with Reynoso um, and, and coming in is that I think that if you were hoping that Molino would be sort of your difference maker in the in the the number 10 spot or sort of in the midfield going into his 30s maybe that's not the best you know route to go but seeing him next to a guy in his mid-20s who's can sort of draw that attention can open things up for Molino um you know I was I was saying I worked on an article the other day about um uh, mostly about Reynoso but talking about Molino how like with with the ball at his feet, he sort of wants to create, and with the ball off his feet, he wants to sort of get in there and 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 score goals. The problem is that the problem has sort of been that with the ball at his feet, he has trouble sometimes scoring goals. Like if he's controlling it, uh, trying to cut through the defense and then take a shot, he seems to work so well finding guys, and then once he's found guys, running off them to find those spots. And with Reynoso, it's like the perfect combination there. So if you're bringing Kevin Molino in to be like your second guy. 
uh, who's great in your midfield. It's a fantastic fit, and I, I agree. you got to get it done. Last thing I want to talk about real briefly, um, obviously center forward is, is the main one, but any other positions of need? Every season it's like, who, where do we need to shore up? We talked a little bit about the future number six. Um, you know, what are, are there, is there any place where you're like, there, there's an upgrade that, that could happen there? I, I think the six and the centre forward, Steve, are the two main areas really for Minnesota United. Now, I, I could see an argument maybe for going to get a, a younger centre back to push Boxall, uh, who will be 33 this coming season. Debassi will be 32. Um, by no means am I suggesting either of them should be pushed out of the starting 11 because I think they've been exceptional, especially Michael Boxall. Mm-hmm. Um, but they get into that age now where you perhaps have to watch the minutes. Um, so I could see them going and, and finding a, a younger centre-back for sure. I know Aha and Kalman um, are available. Kalman, 30 years of age. Aha, 28. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with them in terms of, of them being kept around. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if they potentially went and had a look at a younger centre-back somewhere. Um, I think left-back is an issue. No, not an issue. I think a left-back is, is a situation where they would like to strengthen um, obviously, as we've said before, they, they've had no issues in sliding Dibassi over. But I think the preference there is, is having him at centre-back. So maybe a backup left-back would, would help. Um, <laughs> Alonso being the age that he will be this year, um, you, you can't expect him to play every single game. So the question will be there is, are, are they willing uh, to rely on Hassani Dalton in that role? throughout the entirety of the campaign, because ultimately that's what they're going to have to do if they don't go and get somebody else in. Um, and then for me, Steve, the, the biggest issue, the biggest conundrum for them is at centre-forward. They, they need to go and get somebody who who can who can guarantee you 15 goals, 20 goals a year. It's not easy to find them. I, I'm saying that, you know, it, it trickles off the tongue very easily, but it's not easy to find them. They cost a lot of money. Um if the club are willing to go and spend money again, um, they have to go and get a centre-forward that will guarantee you goals. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what that looks like, Steve, whether they're going to go into Europe, back down to South America. Maybe there's a, a centre-forward internally in the league that they fancy looking at. Uh, I don't know. But ultimately, I, I know already that, that efforts are being made. There, there is a list of players that they like. Um, and they will be doing everything in their power, the coaching staff and the, the scouting department, the technical director, GM, everybody um, will, be, will be doing their due diligence over the course of the next few months. Whilst you and I take a little bit of time off, this is busy season for them. So, um, you know, very much looking forward to seeing what Minnesota United can do in this offseason. Yeah, uh, lots to think about, lots to hash out. I'm sure we'll be readdressing it as we proceed with Sound of the Loons through the offseason. Sometimes we pull back a little bit, sometimes a little more like every other week. Depends on how quick um, the and, and hard and fast the stuff, the, the news comes at us. And also how, when we're going to start playing again. So I guess we'll all be finding out about that before too long. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us for the 133rd. 133rd. <laughs> I'm still, I, you know, I'm only, I'm drinking sparkling water, I swear. Oh. Uh, thanks for joining us for the 123rd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Enteris. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are.